podcast. Nick Hales is the Redskins partner, and Joshua Johnson is here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build a foundation. This is the Dynasty Bowl, presented by the Dynasty Football Winner. Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick. Hail to the Redskins, Wagner. Nick, what is up, my friend? Oh, not much, Josh. I'm pretty excited. Uh, within the last hour uh, in our 16-team draft that we're doing, I uh, recently picked up Darren Sproles. He's been one of my favorite players for a long time. Never had the chance to own him. I know he's toward the tail end of his career, but, hey, I could do a lot worse for my running back six, right? Yeah. Yeah, most definitely, especially in a best ball. Kind of wonder about his role in that offense. Um, but uh, not not a bad not a bad draft there, especially when we're in the mid twenties of a sixteen team league. Uh, you're you're basically uh, as our good buddy Howard Bender likes to say, throwing darts. So uh, yeah, I mean he could still see some third down action, I believe. But you know maybe exploits. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if Sam Bradford stays healthy in that offense. What can what can happen with Philadelphia? Um, I uh, I pre-drafted another running back. We'll see if that pops on through the show and see see if we can get you see if I can get you let let everybody know what happens there. But uh, um, moving forward, we have a great show for you today. We're going to kind of start a series here this month called uh, as we're borrowing this phrase from Dr. Sean Kirby, uh, "Plant your flag or wash your hands," where we kind of just talk about some fringe dynasty guys, some guys that are. You know, you might be thinking about dropping since you've got your rookie drafts probably getting complete now, and your roster is a little heavy. Who should you, who should you drop to make a make the cut there for the rest of the season uh, before the season starts? So we're going to try to hopefully get uh, get you informed there. And if there's anybody that you're thinking about, please please email Dynasty Football Warehouse or tweet me or Nick. Uh, just yeah, let us know what what we can do to help you out there. So um. Uh, I do want to get everybody up to date on uh, kind of what we have going on here with our insider memberships. So uh, take a seat and uh, give a listen. DynastyFootballWarehouse.com is very excited to announce our insider membership. For just $29.99 per year, you get the insider membership plus our rookie draft kit. Insider membership itself is $24.99, just the rookie guide is $9.99. DFW is worth Dynasty Football is a way of life. You can dominate your league for only $2 a month. Membership includes all access to insider articles, Dynasty, Redraft, Daily, IDP, which is over 1,000 articles per year, up to three a day on average. Includes Dynasty expert rankings, updated monthly, average draft position data, 2015 projections, in-season weekly rankings and management, rookie draft room, and so, so much more. 24-7 access to DFW staff via email for roster management advice, trades, drafts, rebuilds, waivers, commission assistance advice for bylaws, scoring, and setup on new leagues on MLF. 
The 2015 Rookie Guide is $10 a la carte or $5 when bundled with the Insider Membership with the PDL emailed to you. Expanded in 2015 to include more players, the Top 10 IDP, all crisply summarized with keynotes on every player and their background, main stats, strengths, weaknesses, and key college stats. 143 skill position, 106 page PDF, 41,000 words of rookie insight, plus 100 hours of research analyzed and boiled down for your NFL draft day enjoyment. Combines all recaps from skill positions at the combine, includes guide along updates after the NFL draft, adjustments made through training camp and preseason. All three membership options will get you entered into the multiple DFW contests and giveaways. Each will enter you into a, a raffle for a brand new iPod, which will be given away at, during halftime of Super Bowl 50 via third-party security raffle. You will get entry into DFW Week 1 Free Roll Tournament on FanDuel or DraftKings, where you, the winner will receive $200. You will also gain entry into the DFW Survivor Contest, where... Over the course of the 2015 season, the last team standing will also receive $200. Again, very excited to introduce the DFW Insider Membership, just $30 a year. Okay, that is just just a few of the things that we do here for you at Dynasty Football Warehouse. Um, but uh, if you had not a member, you definitely need to look into it because we're doing this for you. We're doing this to help you to dominate your leagues, and that's exactly why we're here. That's why we do this podcast every single week. Um, we've been rolling out some great rookie profiles lately. Uh, rookie, excuse me, impact reports as we looked at Melvin Gordon uh, and Ellie Eli Harold. I don't know why I continue to say that name wrong. Ellie Harold yesterday as well. So uh, make sure you flip back if you've been gone away from the site for a couple of days and give give some of that a read because we, we really dig deep there for you. So let's get to some dynasty trade analysis here, Nick. Um, this this one was a, a Mondo trade, but I actually think it's, I think it's pretty fair. And I, being a member of this uh, DFW 36 league, I know for a fact before I even mention the people and picks involved here, that the guy that gave up Chandler Jones, Mr. Jeff Katz, uh, gave up already had given up a lot of his draft picks for 2016. So he's getting a lot. He's getting a few picks back here to help load up his roster. So Jay Scott, like I said, gave up Chandler Jones, um, while Jay Sports gave up Mike Wallace, 2015 seventh round pick, 2016 second round pick and excuse me and another 2016 second round pick so he's given up Chandler Jones who was facing as a premier defensive end in the prime but he got Mike Wallace uh, seventh rounder this year and uh, two picks uh, the following year what are your thoughts there Nick well Chandler Jones is a guy I really like easily top five defensive end Uh, we talk about those three four DNs having a really really high floor so I, I like him as a player but like you said uh the team that gave up Jones also had given up a lot of their draft picks in 2016. So the fact that they were able to pick up a couple of second rounders for next year, I, I think this is totally even straight across the board. Mm-hmm. 
and maybe Jay was a little overloaded with picks. Uh, yeah, it's just I think it's just a pretty pretty fair deal there. I mean, you're giving up a premier player, but you're getting two picks and two bodies back for him. Or excuse me, three. You're getting three picks and one body back for him. And if you need uh, a receiver, Mike Wallace in the short term is probably not a not a bad option. I know uh, people tried like heck to trade Mike Wallace during the draft, and nobody really wanted to bite. I think you know maybe the change of scenery just has some people a little worried about his production and what he will become. You know, we often we see that with. Uh, and granted, he was traded, so there was definitely some interest. Uh, uh, in Minnesota's part, even they got him for cheap. But um, we see that a lot of times with veteran players where they keep moving to teams later on in their careers and they just don't seem to to ever find their footing. They just kind of kind of wither away, maybe fall off the map a little bit. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen to Mike Wallace, but I think a lot of people uh, have have a, a definite concern there. Um, I was hoping that while I was blabbing on to have, to have the page up here so I could let you know who – who Jeff actually picked with that seventh rounder this year. That was pick 7.11. And he picked up a inside linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers, Michael Wilhoyt, uh, who I think he just drafted in DFW 16. Is that correct? Oh, uh, that is correct, yep. Did you uh, – you, I'm interested because all of a sudden, you know, all the copies of him just went boom, boom, boom in that league. Uh, have you have you read up a little bit about that? I mean, obviously he, he projects to be the starter – but I know there was some news about San Francisco maybe trying to trade him this offseason. What are your thoughts there on that guy? Well, I was basically just taking a flyer on him, uh, hoping that he can slide into one of those two linebacking spots that are vacated with the retirements of uh, Chris Borland and Patrick Willis. Uh, historically, those 49er linebackers put up really good numbers. So hopefully he ends up being the starter there. Yeah, might not have been a bad pick for me since I drafted uh Eli Harold way earlier than that, but uh, just to kind of help handcuff the position there. But uh, took a lot of 49ers in that league. It was not uh, not intentional. But uh, while we're here and I have the page up, I could just give you guys a quick rundown. I had 12 picks in this league, um, and maybe we'll maybe we'll have Nick Nick break it down for me next week. Uh, Kevin to Kevin White 1.13, JHI 1.35, uh, Eric Kendricks 2.13. Mike Evans, 2.31. Mike Evans. Mike Davis, 2.31. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, what a steal. Three, <laughs> uh, Landon Collins, 3.13. That uh, was 4.18. I took Denzel Perryman, 5.11. Uh, DeAndre Smelter, 5.36. Uh, as I mentioned before, LA Eli Harold uh, was 6, 2.5. Six two point five. Ramik Wilson pick seven point zero four. Eric Armstead pick seven point one two. My first veteran uh, to hear Whitehead, who I think is going to be the starter there in San Francisco. Notice that that was also my fifth linebacker taken. We only start four, <laughs> but uh, I needed to rebuild my linebacking core. We'll just leave it at that. Um, let's take it. Let's put it this way: to hear Whitehead was uh, my first veteran taken. Uh, an available free agent last year, and he would have been my my second highest scoring linebacker behind Vincent Ray, who probably doesn't have a job, a starting job at this point in time, uh, this this season. So, uh, pick seven point one three. I took Byron Jones. Uh, hope Doctor Kirby Kirby fed us some great information about those Tampa two quarter cornerbacks, and I certainly needed a cornerback 
and we want to get those young guys so I can ride him out for a couple of years. And then with pick 7.25, uh, no surprise here. I took my guy, my, Michael Pruitt. Uh, don't expect much from him this year, but I, I, I expect him to be a, a very good player. Uh, so uh, that was my 12, 12 picks in that league. Uh, and I have, uh, let's see, I have nine picks already next year. So I'm trying to rebuild a bad, very bad team there. So we'll see. We'll see how that uh, works out there. Let's move on to the next trade here. So of course, I left the screen on my computer now. So, uh, do you have the next trade in front of you there, Nick? Uh, yes, I do. Side uh, A gave up uh, Blake Bortles and Jeremy Hill, and in return, they picked up uh, Johnny Waterbottle, Manziel, uh, Adrian Peterson. Uh, this year's pick, six point oh two, and a twenty sixteen second round pick. Oh, what a wild trade there. Um, Bortle, gave up Bortles and Hill, got Manziel, AP, a sixth-rounder, and, and a second-rounder next year. What up? Um, we talked about trading Jeremy Hill last year. Obviously, you're getting – or last week, I should say, you're getting Adrian Peterson back. I don't know if Bortles for Manziel is very even, but uh, – We'll see what happens there in Cleveland this year. I don't think there's a lot of people holding out hope for Johnny Manziel. Um, if you had to predict, Nick, where Johnny Manziel is going to go in our EFW 16-team league, uh, <laughs> do you think he's going to go at all? I know somebody did take uh, Josh McCown, so maybe they'll try to handcuff him around 35. You think you think that'll happen? Yeah, I'm sure somebody will take him out of a 16-team league. It won't be me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Uh, I can't definitively say I won't take him. I just, let's just say I've already thought about it, but I'm not, I, I thought about it. That's all I'll say. Uh, so Blake Boyles and Jeremy Hill for Manziel and AP, plus a couple more picks. Um, I don't think this is a bad deal at all. I mean, AP could, you know, outperform Hill and Bortles this year. I think that's certainly a possibility. Yes, he's probably maybe his last one or two good years of production. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I like the side to pick up Jeremy Hill and Bortles. I mean, you got rid of Johnny Manziel, who's basically garbage at this point. Uh, and Adrian Peterson, he's like 30 years old, so I, I just don't trust those 30-year-old running backs. I'd rather get rid of them a year too early than a year too late. And, uh, you know, Jeremy Hill is a top-10 dynasty back moving forward. Blake Bortles, you know, he was young, and his whole team was young last year. I, I actually like his chance to develop into a solid quarterback. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I do too. I think it's going to take some time, but I think I've said it multiple times. I think Jacksonville just needs to stick to their guns, let this guy play, and let him learn from his mistakes. So, uh, interesting deal to say the least. Okay, here we had DFW forty eight. Somebody gave up a two thousand sixteen first round pick and got Philip Dorsett and Justin Hardy in return. This. This trade is not helping my case to steal Justin Hardy from somebody. Uh, I don't want to give up that much. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts there? I mean, it was a first-round pick for two two rookie wide receivers, um, guys that seemingly have a lot of talent. But uh, what, what are your thoughts there? 
Yeah, I think it's pretty even on both sides. You know, first-round pick's a lot to give up, but I really like Justin Hardy there in Atlanta as the third receiver. Harry Douglas put up some good numbers when uh, one of the starters would get hurt there, so I like his chances to produce. And Philip Dorsett, he's maybe more of a long-term guy, as deep as that depth chart is in Indianapolis right now. But, you know, he could be a good, pretty good player down the road, I think. Yeah, and it's, it's the kind of thing where, like, if let's say you're, you know, if you're, rebuilding and you're a couple of years away, you, you, you want that first round pick. And if you're think you're one year away, you're getting, getting these guys and getting them a year on with and Hardy and Dorsett and getting a year under their belt. And hopefully they're both, you know, potentially, you know, starters, if not next year, maybe 2017. Uh, yeah. The Harry Douglas Hardy comparison is very, very, uh, very true. They're both the same size. I think Hardy has better hands. Um, they both run about the same 40 times. So I, I, I think you're going to see some really good things from Justin Hardy in that high flying offense today. So, and I know I'm kind of selfish because I own him in two of my dynasty leagues, but I just want to own him in all of them just because I like him so much. Um, I don't like him as much as uh, Richard Jarvin over at Pigskin. Uh, we'll put it that way, but I, I do like him. Uh, moving forward, uh, what's dynasty dilemma time? Uh, we've been doing this. For a while, it's a lot of fun. We're going to pit two players against each other. We have Cameron Artemis Payne, Artis Payne, versus uh, Buck Allen. It was my chance to go first, so I or my chance to choose, so I will go first. Let's Welcome to the Dynasty Bulls Podcast. Nick Hales is the Redskins Wonder, and Joshua Johnson. I'm here to make you laugh. That was the wrong. Uh, that was a little funny. I started to clip and put the phone down for a second. I'm like, wait a sec. All right. Alan versus Cameron Art- Artist Payne. And I'm going to refer to him because I can obviously say that name right as Cap as I continue on here. A <laughs> uh, little, little initial action there. But okay, Buck Allen, we're talking about two. Buck Allen Cap. We're talking about two backup running backs, but both these rookies seemingly be, to be on a fast track to top 20 running backs for this, at the start of 2016. Maybe that's a stretch, but I, I certainly think it's a possibility. We all know the fragility of Jonathan Stewart, but let us not forget that Justin Forsett will be 30 in October. Uh, while Forsett is a great feel-good story, Father Time might wreak havoc on a frame that had almost 300 touches for the first time in his career last season. Now enter Buck Allen, a well-rounded running back in the tradition of the USC greats like Marcus Allen and O.J. Simpson. I don't necessarily think he's going to be that amazing, but I think he certainly could turn some heads. Ironically, Allen reminds me a whole lot of Justin Forsett with kind of a Marshall Folk-like upside. He comes from a pro-style system where he caught where he caught and ran the ball effectively, while Cap comes from a staunch SEC powerhouse, Auburn, where their system is a, a mix of downhill, smash mouth, and a lot of gimmickry. Gimmick tree, excuse me. As, as an owner of both Cap and Allen, I wish them both great plays. But as for this dilemma, we have... But as for this, this has to be one of the best dilemmas that we have uh, ever done. I think it's really the truest coin flip uh but Allen is already in the 
already a polished pass catcher. So I have to tip my grade in his favor, even if it's just the slightest of tips. Uh, PPR alert, New Raven OC Mark Tressman will be forced to use Allen on third down, teasing back, and possibly motion man to keep the elder statesman four set with fresh legs for first and running situations. Nick, what do you got for us on Mr. Cap? Well, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I have to use the same argument that I used to defend Matt Jones last week, the so-called better situation argument. So in order to be the number two running back on the Panthers' depth chart, all Cameron Artis Payne has to do is beat out Jordan Todman and Fozzie Whitaker. I'm pretty sure last year's SEC's leading rusher can do that by the time training camp ends, leaving only the fragile Jonathan Stewart in front of him for playing time. Stewart hasn't played 16 games since 2011, and that's with a running back by committee situation with D'Angelo Williams. And he's only topped 200 carries once, and that was all the way back in 2009. So I would be absolutely shocked if he stayed healthy as the running back number one there in Carolina. Now moving on to Buck Allen's situation in Baltimore. The starter, Justin Forsett, while not being a feature back until last season, has been available all 16 weeks in five of his last six years. Forsett had over 1,250 yards rushing and 5.4 yards per carry, and there's talk of now under new offense coordinator Mark Tressman that Forsett could double his 44 catches from last season. That doesn't sound like much work left for the number two back in Baltimore, and Allen may not even be the number two. Remember, Lorenzo Taliaferro played decently as a rookie last year, 4.3 yards per carry in limited action. So not only does Buck have a tougher path to being a starter, he may end up wind up the number three running back. And as pointed out in the incredible DFW draft guide, Artis Payne comes to the NFL without the ball security issues Buck Allen was at times plagued with at USC. Josh, you got a rebuttal? <sighs> My rebuttal is you're way too damn good at this. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, oh yeah, he, I mean he's he's swaying me to the other side, and I was supposed to I was supposed to be on Buck Allen's side. Uh, you make very valid points, and if you want to go vote on that dilemma. Go to DynastyFootballWarehouse.com right now and check it out. I haven't looked myself. I haven't even voted this week. But uh, I don't uh, hold out much hope for myself <laughs> moving forward. Uh, so let's go to plant your flag or wash your hands on these players. Why don't we just go back and forth, Nick? Uh, you give me your first name, and I'll give you what I got, and then, then I'll throw one at you. Oh, okay. Um, first, uh, so give you the names. I, uh, so you want to start out with uh, Nate Washington then? Yes. Um, oh. Nate Washington. Uh, well, <laughs> if it's any indication uh, to anybody out there, Nick cut him in one dynasty league and I cut him in another. We'll put it at that. We'll start with that. Uh, but he's essentially in the same situation, uh, maybe not – Exactly the same with the news of Devontae Parker, but essentially the same situation that Greg Jennings was before the Parker injury uh, that uh, with the Dolphins that he is with the Texans. I mean, there's there's some mouth there with with Hopkins and Strong, and also Cecil Cecil Shorts. So he he's probably going to be the odd man out, even though he's the veteran. He's a great underrated wide receiver, as far as I'm concerned. But I I'm going to be really Really hard pressed to see him catch more than twenty five balls this year. So I say, um, Brian Arakbo, change of senior. What do you got for us? 
Well, right now he's not ranked in DFW's top 79 linebackers. You know, maybe at 29 years old he rebounds, but I'd kind of I'd wash my hands of the three-time Pro Bowler personally. You look at him last year, he's only played seven games, and in those seven games only had half a sack. Uh, he's only had double-digit sacks in two of his six years and only one season over 40 total tackles. I think Arakpo is more name than player at this point, so I'd wash my hands. You, get, you Redskins fans were so excited about that guy. Yeah, he had a lot of potential, but those torn pectoral injuries that he keeps suffering, he, I just don't see him being able to bounce back now that he's nearly 30. Okay. What do you got for me? Uh, what are your thoughts on Cole Beasley, the Cowboys receiver? I had the exact same conversation with a friend of mine who just drafted this guy in a dynasty league. And he wanted my okay, and I said, he's a slot guy, man. This is a, this is a guy that's going to be productive in this offense. Is he an 80-catch, 1,000-yard, 10-TV guy? Definitely not, uh, but he's a great best ball guy. And, you know, he's a guy in PPR leagues that I think is going to really help you out. The Cowboys love this long-haired freak. I mean, he's a modern-day Golden Richard, if you will. And if you don't know who Golden Richards is, Google search him and you'll know exactly what I mean. Long, flowing blonde hair, receiver, same type of player that Beasley was for the Cowboys in the late 70s. Um, but let's, let's face it, the Cowboys' offensive line is so menacing. There's no need for a fullback. Hence, Beasley could be in the slot. Beasley in the slot could just be a regular thing. I mean, I think he could certainly see, uh, you know, 60% of the snaps, maybe even more, uh, for the Cowboys. So I, I say you got to hold on to this guy. Um, what do you got for us on Terrence West? Well, personally for me, it would all depend on the league rules. You know, I don't think you're cutting him in any situation. It's such a very uncertain uh, backfield there in Cleveland. In best ball leagues, I would probably buy low on him right now. As You know, he's a third-ranked running back in Cleveland. In standard leagues, I'd probably I'd hold him until he has a good game because he's going to. It's kind of like the New England backfield. They rotate their backs. and Some, some games he'll have a good week, some weeks so he won't do anything. So I'd hold him until he has a good game, raises his value a bit, and then try to sell high on him. But I, I definitely would not wash my hands as of right now on him. Uh, and you're willing, you're going to willingly buy into him in best ball leagues because that's, I think, the only way to do it. Do you think there's any chance that he becomes a touchdown vulture? Because I think Crowell's kind of the a one-cut guy like Kevin Coleman. And Duke is a little on the slight side. I guess I don't know West's exact specs, but if he's not seeing, you know, if he's not seeing over a dozen carries per game, he can maybe see a couple of short yards, short yardage things. Do you think that's a possibility there with him? I could definitely envision that being the situation there in Cleveland. Like I said, it's so uncertain right now. Once training camp starts and preseason, you know, starts to unfold, we'll, we'll know a lot more. Right now, it's it's tough to say though. And I will preface this one with this: that question was solely for me. I know there's other Terrence West out, owners out there, but I have him in DFW 36. This so like uh, it's it's almost easier to try to trade for Isaiah Crowell than try to get rid of Terrence West at this point. So uh, I don't think anybody's trading Duke Johnson. So uh, what, what's the next name you got for me, Nick? Uh, the next name I got is uh, DeAnthony Thomas, the short uh, running back slash receiver in uh, in Kansas City. 
Okay, well, I know Nick Nick loves this guy, being the former Oregon Duck that he is. I'm going to say hold, but I'm furthermore going to say pray and hold. Uh, his move to wide receiver is is very intriguing to me with a capital, capital, capital bubble screen. Um, you know, with rookie blocking Maestro on the same side, Chris Conley, if they try those little delayed actions or the kind of the stand up at the line and catch the screen, uh, I think Thomas could do some really big damage. Um, if he solely commits to this wide receiver thing, I think he could have the kind of impact of like an Eddie Royal with, you know, obviously the ultimate upside being like a West Welker type. I don't think he's a hundred catch guy, but I think he's certainly, I think the Eddie Royal comparison is definitely a lot more, a lot more possible. Um, Remember, though, injuries dampened the first quarter of his whole rookie season. So, you know, this is not a comparison, but the same thing kind of happened with DeAndre Hopkins when he suffered that concussion in uh, in training camp and his rookie year and really started out the year slow. Now now DeAnthony's had the whole offseason to get acclimated in this offense. Granted, they are changing his position, so he's got a little more, ahead, little more things ahead of him, but I think we're, I think we're looking – Looking at a pray and hold situation there with Anthony, I don't think it's time to cut bait. If you if you own him, you probably didn't pay that much for him or waste a high pick on him, so you might as well hold on and, and maximize the value there on Anthony Thomas. Um, Nick, do you have anything to add to that? Since I know I know you're a fan. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the move to receiver is going to work out really well for him. Uh, one of their defensive backs who was recently interviewed and talking about him and said that the underneath stuff's going to be open all day long for him. He's just got so much speed that corners are going to play off a little bit afraid of getting burned, I think, there. Okay. Uh, next name I got for you, and I, and I want a little running back heavy, Kadeem uh, Carey. You know, I understand if you want to wash your hands of him. He was on the bubble for me. He only had two under 200 yards as a rookie last year. Plus, there's a new coaching staff in town. But there's two stats that made me hold on to him and plant my flag, I guess. Uh, he did average 4.4 yards per carry, and he caught five of six targets. Of course, really limited sample size, but those are pretty pretty decent numbers and lead me to be a little bit optimistic. I know it's completely boomer bust, especially now that Jeremy Langford's there. So, you know, if you're deep enough, I would keep him, but I do understand if you want to watch her. Well, and the main reason I added this one in here, I just feel like potentially, um, you know, the new regime didn't draft this guy. They obviously brought in Langford because they really like him. And, you know, however you feel about this guy, it's it's it was a draft pick made by this new regime. So I, I, I think i got to really question what he could do. But, you know, we've seen, you know, we've seen people fall out of favor and go to a different team, you know, much like uh, Bobby Rainey fell out, kind of fell out in Cleveland and ended up, you know, being, being a decent fantasy producer there in, in Tampa. You know, maybe his season or his, his career is kind of, going on a downspin right now, but he certainly produced there for a short time. So he's certainly somebody to keep your eye on, but I I, I think I'd probably cut Mr. Carey. Um, what is the next name you got for me, Nick? Of uh, the New England former second-round pick, Aaron Dobson, hasn't really produced up to this point. Are you going to cut bait and wash your hands? Uh, I want to start by saying who. Um, 
<laughs> no, I know I know who this guy is. I'm, I I I've done my research. I've done my homework. I just and you know he's still there, which should say something. But I just you know he had he had a decent seventy target season there with them as a rookie. Basically did nothing last year. I think was was he hurt most of the year last year, Nick? Is that what happened there? I'm not sure. I don't know if he was hurt or in the doghouse, but he did absolutely nothing. Yeah, I I I think it's pretty safe to cut him, you know. And if I if he if I'm wrong and he becomes the next Chris Carter, I uh, you can come over here and dump some liquid of your choice on me. I just I don't think it's a big, I don't think anybody's gonna lose sleep over letting this guy letting this guy go. So I say, wash your hands. Um, next name for you, Nick. Okay, last running back, Ronnie Hillman. Oh, I'm absolutely planting my flag on Ronnie Hillman. Right now he's ranked outside DFW's 30-round uh, ADP. So, you know, Monte Ball's going uh, middle of the 21st. That's his ADP. Both of those guys are too low. C.J. Anderson, what have we seen? A half a season of work from him? He's really improving. And I personally think that uh, Hillman's got a better chance than uh, Ball to produce. Ball just hasn't improved play. So I, I plant my flag for sure on Ronnie Hillman. Yeah, and I still think – I know Anderson caught some balls last year, but I still think if Anderson is the running back one, especially if he becomes the starter there, I think Ronnie Hillman becomes that much more attractive because I think he'll he'll get that third down and long because Anderson's going to be need to give given a blow there, I think, every now and then. So, uh, yeah, not, not a bad call there, Nick. Uh, next name for me. Uh, well, I noticed in our 12-team league that there's a lot of Raiders receivers that are uh, rostered right now. Are there any Raiders receivers you would have other than the top two, Amari uh, Cooper and Michael Crabtree? Um, well, I think the the other one that is rostered besides those two is, I believe, Jim Day, who uh, is a, somebody very well-respected in the fantasy community and helped me set up this league to begin with, um, is got Rod Streeter. I'm pretty sure that's the case, and I would say he's the only person to uh, to do so. He's still a promising young deep threat. You know, don't be dismayed by his lack of snaps with Carr. He he had a bad injury last year. He's fully healthy. Um, I know C. All Moore tweeted out that Street is going to really turn some heads this year. You could take that for what it is, but I, he, you know, a guy that's actually in camp with him. So I I, I think. I think he's going to be open. Let's face it, with Crabtree and Lamari Cooper, Streeter can catch that catch that thirty yard bomb all day long. Um, you know, if you really want to reap the rewards of Andre Holmes' one forty yard touchdown catch in a best, go for it. Uh, Kimbrel Tompkins, yuck! You want to? You got anything to say about Kimbrel Tompkins, Dick? Uh, Bryce Butler. <laughs> Hell no! I would take De'Anthony Thomas all day over any anybody else besides Rod Streeter. He he's still going to be the deep threat. You know, I think Cooper moves to the slot when Streeter comes on, and he's going to just run down the field and do like a thirty thirty yard crossing pattern. Don't believe this BS about Carr can't throw the ball downfield because he didn't last year or whatever. He suffered from, you know, some. Bad, some bad drops, some you know, just getting used to chemistry or whatever, or whatnot. So I did, I did some research on Carr. He threw the ball more than 15 yards over 19% of the time, and that's right, right in the middle of the pack. That's more than Tom Brady, if that makes any sense to you. 
even though that wasn't even though that wasn't completions, that was that was the that was the number of the percentage of times that he threw the ball beyond that. So he they're gonna he's gonna be open. <laughs> he's gonna be open with Amari Cooper and hopefully Crabtree patrolling the patrolling the sticks. I, I I Streeter is the guy. You know, it's obviously more comfortable to own him and a best ball, but uh you're looking for a bye week replacement this year and uh if, if he's out there you gotta grab. Um, next name for you, Malcolm Floyd. Well, you know, if somebody's offering you a good trade for him, I would go ahead and do that. But other than that, I would plant my flag. Um, Floyd played all 16 games last year. That's only the second time that's happened. But if he's healthy again, I mean, who's going to beat him out on that team? Austin Pettis, Jacoby Jones, who couldn't crack a thin Baltimore wide receiving core for playing time? I think that Floyd could easily match last year's 850 yards and six touchdowns if he stays healthy again. There's no way I There's no way I'd release him right now. And Floyd is still in San Diego, right? Yes. Uh, yes. And they got Austin Pettis now, too. I'm sorry. That's why I was just confused there. So they also did add Stevie Johnson. But I, I, I don't I don't hold out a whole lot of hope that Stevie Johnson is going to be a major contributor for that team. Um, but, you know, they have Keenan Allen, too. So, they you know, the, a lot of teams run the three-receiver sets now a whole hell of a lot. So, Floyd, Floyd is still a big target, and I and I feel like he's an underrated wide receiver. He's kind of Nate Nate Washington, if you will, five five years ago. So I think he still is a, a quality contributor. He's had some injury issues, but uh, anytime he's on the field, he certainly he certainly is making plays. Um, is that it? I think we got everybody. Yep. Okay. Uh, moving on. Let's try to make sense. This is kind of on the same line. But uh, I guess I guess we'll see how it ends up here. Uh, we're going to try to make sense of the Tennessee wide receivers. A um, lot of bodies in camp. I know I know a lot of teams have six to eight wide receivers, maybe even more in camp right now. Uh, but we have some names here and a couple of drafted guys as well. So let's looking at looking at Tennessee. We got Trey McBride, Doriel Green Beckham, Justin Hunter, Kendall Wright, Hakeem Nix. And Harry Douglas. So we got two hot shot rookies. Uh, McBride, who I know fell in the draft quite a bit. I think a lot of people really like this guy. I think he could develop into quite a player. Um, and then some some veterans there. What what are your thoughts there on this on this six pass? Well, I'll start with the vets. Uh, Kendall Wright was the team's leading wide receiver. Uh, actually, t- t- the tight end Delaney Walker led the team in receiving. But uh, Wright's yards did fall, fall from over 1,000 yards to just 700 last year. But he did have a career-high six touchdowns. The other returning wide receiver, Justin Hunter, has great size and speed, but that hasn't translated to the field. He was a 34th overall pick in 2013 and has under 50 career receptions and hasn't topped 500 yards in a season. You have to figure between the Titans' drafting DGB and the less than optimistic comments recently from head coach Ken Wisenhunt about Hunter's development. Something along the lines of at some point you either get it or you don't. Uh, I'm starting to wonder if Hunter's the next Stephen Hill, the New York Jets' second-round pick that didn't last three seasons in New York. 
Last year, Hunter, at 23 years old, couldn't even beat up 31-year-old Nate Washington for looks. Uh, The Titans signed two veterans. We'll uh, we'll start with Hakeem Nix. It's hard to believe he'll only be 27 years old this year. He has played uh, 13 or more games in every year, but hasn't topped 900 yards since 2011. And last year, in a high-flying Indianapolis offense, he only had 38 catches for 400 yards and four scores. So it's hard to envision him topping that, going from one of the best quarterbacks, Andrew Luck, to a rookie. Uh, the other veteran, Harry Douglas, is currently not ranked in DFW's uh, top receiver in list, but I like him as a sleeper, for this year at least. He developed into a pretty solid number three in Atlanta, and in 2013 put up over 1,000 yards when Roddy White was injured. You know, if the unpolished rookies need some more seasoning, Hunter is deemed a bust, and Nix is washed up. Uh, Harry Douglas could end up being the wide receiver, too, on the team. Uh, now for the rookies. Uh, Doral Greenbeckham is both a prototype wide receiver from the size speed perspective and the epitome of a boomer bust prospect. He was kicked out of the University of Missouri, sat out last year, but the guy is 6'5", 237. He has all the physical tools to be elite. And then in round seven, the Titans took Trey McBride, small school player from William & Mary. He'll likely have to beat out either Justin Hunter or Hockey Knicks for a roster spot unless they decide to keep six receivers. Uh, it's possible, though. And at their current value, personally, I like a Kendall Ripe's years old. His worst season was as a rookie, and he still had 626 yards that year. That's a pretty good four for DFW's uh, number, wide receiver number 55. Yeah, I... I... I think Kendall Wright is still going to be the man there. I think there's no reason that Harry Douglas can't end up being the slot guy. DGB on the other side. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot forgot one more thing. Hold on. I mean, Justin Hunter, really? Try catching 30 passes in a season before you start complaining about roster moving. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just need to get that out of the way. Uh, it's interesting that McBride's really not even on their depth chart yet. I think. I don't think they can let this. I don't think they can throw this guy down to their practice squad, though. I think somebody will snatch him. And they also have uh, David Cobb listed fourth on the running back depth chart. So we know, we know that's is not necessarily updated here. But uh, I would I'd say the top two are going to be right in DGB. I think the draft pedigree puts DGB in this position to start. Um, we've obviously have some harsh feelings towards Justin Hunter. And uh, I, geez, I wouldn't be surprised if he's cut. I mean, I don't know what the what the contract situation or the cap hit is, but I wouldn't be surprised if he is not there at the start of the season. And there seem to be a new regime in there, kind of cleaning house. So, uh, Hakeem Nix, you, you don't you don't know. This is the guy that I, I really like. I think taller than he is, but uh, you know he just can't stay healthy. Um, you know, and on that note, if anybody above him like Douglas. DGB are right are to suffer injury. I think Knicks obviously gets a bump. I just don't know. I don't know how much hope you can really hold out for this guy. So uh, uh, Justin Hunter, yeah, he just, I don't know. I, I, I hate to be in the dynasty dilemma of trying to cut him or not because, you know, I don't think he's a terrible player. Um, he's obviously got some other some other issues, but uh, and if he goes somewhere else and be, is successful, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, sometimes change the scenery and situation does so good. Just does some people some good. It just doesn't seem like it's going to work out for him in Tennessee. Um, obviously, if you're drafting Dynasty, DGB is going to be the first guy that you want, and I think you got to go Kendall Wright next just because he can do be a decent PPR guy. Harry Douglas, and then probably Trey McBride. Uh, obviously, Dynasty owners are going to be 
probably really lean towards the younger guy, but let's not forget Harry Douglas is a thousand yard receiver just two years ago when there was injuries in Atlanta. So uh, he's a guy that really intrigues me, and I'm really on the bubble with him in one of my leagues about cutting him. It's the best ball league, so I'm not gonna lose too much sleep if I if I cut him. But if he you know if he steps in because of an injury and has another massive season, uh, it's gonna be gonna be a hard pill to swallow. So maybe uh, maybe I just talked myself into keeping him. Uh, let's move on, Nick, to the Cleveland wide receivers. I think I got everybody's name written down here, at least possibly the top six with uh, Josh Gordon's name thrown in the hat as well. Let's not forget that he's certainly still on this roster, even if he's not going to make an appearance this year. They brought in Brian Hartline and Dwayne Bow, which, honestly, I didn't really see either one of these moves making sense. They don't want to look like they're tanking or giving up, which I think makes these moves somewhat reasonable. But, I mean, with a young wide receiver like Taylor Gabriel, who they probably didn't expect anything out of last year, who actually has some really good games to them, I was a little surprised that they brought in both of these guys. Um, Andrew Hawkins, I believe, is still the wide receiver number one there. And I think he's going to have a very good season. Just got him in DFW 16, by the way. Um, I think he's going to have a very good season there, regardless of who the quarterback is. He's a good, he's a good player and a, vet, a veteran player. Uh, you can also throw Travis Benjamin in the mix. I know he's more of a, a return guy, but he did make some some receptions for this team, so he certainly certainly has a chance to to you know maybe see some snaps. And then uh, they drafted the the big talented kid. 6'2", kid out of Washington State, Vince Maley, who I really like. Obviously, the landing spot really peels me back just a little bit on him, but I think he has the talent to surpass. And if next year, if it's Maley, Gordon, and Hawkins, the top three receivers on this team, I I, I want to be a, a Maley owner now so I can reap those benefits from that next year. Even if Johnny Waterbottle Manziel is their quarterback, what what are your thoughts there on this Cleveland wide receiver club? Uh, I guess for this year, I'd probably flip a coin between Hartline, Bo, and like you said, Hawkins is probably the number one there. Hartline's 29 years old this year. He was under 500 yards last year, but did have over 1,000 yards in both seasons prior to last year. Bo's 31 years old, but hasn't topped 1,000 yards since 2011. So I guess I would probably take Hartline between the two, but I don't really like either of them. Uh, going deeper with T- Taylor Gabriel and Travis Benjamin, I'd prefer Gabriel. He's two years younger, and his 36 catches doubled Benjamin's 18 last year. Uh, Gabriel is undersized at five foot eight, 167, so his upside is somewhat limited. But Benjamin's only five foot ten himself, and only had four catches in the last seven weeks of last year. Uh, you know, I think at least long term, I would rather have the six foot two, 224 pound rookie out of Washington State, Vince Nail, uh, over 100 catches in his last season in college. He he only played two years of college football, so he might be a little bit raw to play right away. But long-term, he would definitely be my guy. Uh, short-term, Andrew Hawkins could provide nice value. As, you know, he's right now a DFW's ranked uh, number 84 receiver. He'll probably be lined up in the slot just because of the size, I would guess. And he did have 824 yards last year. He may have similar numbers this year, or at least com- comparable to what Bo and Hartline will have. But he can be had at uh, less, less of a cost in startup drafts, I think. Uh, honestly, you know what? I think I'd rather have Josh Gordon than any of the other receivers on this team. 
well, let's face it, Josh McCown <laughs> and Johnny Manziel might be the worst quarterback situation in the NFL. And I don't think the team is bad enough to get a top five quarterback or a top quarterback in next year's draft. So Josh Gordon's the only player on this list who has top five upside and has produced big time with subpar quarterbacks in the past. He's obviously out until next season if he even gets reinstated back. So it all depends on your team if you can hold him or not if you have enough depth. I personally am holding him on the one league I am in. So you know, I, I'd probably just take a chance on Gordon rather than short term go with any of these guys. Well, I, I agree there. And if you're rebuilding and uh, Maley's around in the, the end of your startup, I certainly have no problem tapping him. Um, and I will say this. I, I don't I think you may be a little harsh on the Cleveland quarterback situation. I think Menzel maybe brings McCown down a little bit. And if it was just McCown, I think, I think he maybe would be a little more optimistic. Because let's not forget this offensive line, you know, they lost some bodies last year. But when they're at full strength, this is a very good offense. It's going to help the running game and probably open some things up for the passing game, too. So, I, um, well, and then, you know, future all-pro Rob Hausler at tight end. Um, uh, no, anyway, I, I think I had you there for a second, and then I lost you when I when I brought that up. So but we should throw in the throw in the tight end when we're talking about this before. But, uh I like Taylor Gabriel, even though he's five foot nothing. I, I do like him. Maley's got the size, and I think the talent to be a very good receiver. But Nick is right. Josh Gordon is the guy to own. And I know that sounds weird because he's not going to see any snaps this year, but Josh Gordon is the guy to own. Late startup, late in your startup, though, Maley or Gabriel, I, I got no problem there. Um, even if you're rebuilding in, in a rookie draft, Maley is going to be a guy that's going to be around in the seventh. I don't think any copies of him went in DFW 36, and those are 45-man rosters. So if, if that if that sets you into his value, he's going to be he's certainly a guy that's going to be around there. Um, moving on to questions from the forum, um, Nick, I I got to put you on the spot. This is a question that's been burning in my head, and I didn't know when, and I keep forgetting to add it to the to the um, agenda so to speak. But I want you to answer this without any research or numbers in your head because I know you probably kill it. Um, but, you know, one, like we talked about earlier with Cap in, in Carolina, opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. Who would, I'm going to answer a couple – I'm going to say a couple questions. I'm probably going to answer myself. But I'll get to the ultimate, ultimate question I'll send to you, and I, maybe I'm building up too much. But um, here we go. Who is the number one – rookie running back last year about this time that everybody was excited about because of the exact same thing, opportunity. It was Bishop Sankey. How is Mr. Opportunity, Mr. Opportunistic T.J. Yeldon down in Jacksonville not this year's Bishop Sankey? Obviously, this running back class is a little bit different because there's a couple nice top-end guys. But let's face it, if throw out Gordon and Gurley, you know, people are all people. People are certainly choosing sides between Coleman and Yeldon. So, you know, how is Yeldon? Back to the original question: How is Yeldon not this year's Bishop Sankey? Well, wasn't Bishop Sankey the top running back taken in last year's draft as well? Yes. 
So so the expectations, I think, were higher for Sankey, being not only in a great situation, like you mentioned, uh, but also being the top running back taken, whereas I think the expectations are a little bit lower with T.J. Yeldon, seeing he, as he wasn't drafted as high. And, you know, he probably will be the starter, but I would say that it's going to be tougher to beat out the running backs that Jacksonville currently has than it would have been to beat out Sean Green. And Dexter McCluster. Let's not forget <laughs> Mr. McCluster. <laughs> uh, McCluster, Buster. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I just thought it was possibly a valid point. And if Mike Kraftick's out there listening, I'll, I'll expect an email with your answer later on today. Um, or whenever you hear this. Questions from the forum. Le'Veon Bell overpay. Did I overpay for Le'Veon Bell? Gave up Doug Martin, picked one point, excuse me, got 1.02, 1.06, a first rounder in 2016. Three first round picks and Doug Martin for Le'Veon Bell. What do you think, Nick? Well, you might have overpaid a little bit, but let, let's face it, Le'Veon Bell is the number one running back in Dynasty format. So to get the number one player at any position, you're going to have to overpay. And, you know, first-round picks, 1.02. Chances are uh, Todd Gurley was the 1.01. And, you know, if you're not sold on Melvin Gordon there at 1.02, then, yeah, I have no problem giving up those picks. And Doug Martin, you know, I think he'll be surpassed by Charles Sims this year. So, I, yeah, I, you may have overpaid a little bit, but it's, it was the only way you were going to get Le'Veon Bell. So, Yeah, three first-round picks seems like a lot to give up. And I think it's a very valid question to ask. Is Le'Veon Bell the number one dynasty running back this time next year? I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's Todd Gurley. Maybe it's Melvin Gordon. You know, maybe it's Jeremy Hill still. Or maybe Jeremy Hill has a has a monster year. I I don't doubt Le'Veon Bell at all. Um, but you know, we we know what could happen with running backs. You know, they some of these running backs have these one one awesome year. You know, and they kind of disappear. One injury happens and starts starts a, a downhill. Um, but uh, you did get rid of Doug Martin, so that's good in my book. Three overall picks does seem like a lot, but if you you know if you think Hill Hill is your guy and you're gonna you're gonna win your league this year, you're not gonna have a high first round pick in 2016. It's probably it's probably essentially you know two two number ones with a, a shot a shot in the dark maybe there at the end of the first round next year. And uh, Doug Martin. Uh, for more on Doug Martin and Justin Forsett, along with. Duke Johnson and and some other running backs. You can certainly tune into our question and answer uh, this weekend on Saturday. Uh, all running back edition. It's uh, it's going to be pretty interesting to see a lot of people's views on the, on these situations. We're also going to talk about Ajay versus uh, Lamar Miller this year and going forward. So make sure you check that out. Uh, the owner of Odell Beckham Jr. usually makes one or two stupid trades each year. A very honest. Honest letter here. I like that. Uh, so I'm considering offering Malcolm. I, I'm sure this is Michael Floyd. 1.09 uh, rookie and free agent draft. The 1.09 pick will be in the range of yeah, Yeldon, Coleman, Tavius Murray, Nelson Aguilar, Allen Robinson, DGB. 
would you like to get would like to get your opinion on if I am overpaying here? So you give give up Michael Floyd for six for pick one point zero nine in a rookie and free agent draft. Uh, it's a touchdown heavy league, not PPR small rosters. I have pick one point one and will likely go girly. Thought about adding DGB to Dez and Mike Evans would be a nice move. Um, the rest of his roster here is Luck, Mettenberger, Ingram, Spiller, Christian, Michael, Dez Bryant, Mike Evans, Michael Floyd, Dante Moncrief, and Justin Hunter, Kobe Fleener, um, Heath Miller. He's got picks 1.1, 1.9, 2.12, 3.2, 3.9, 5.9. His team is Tannehill, Robert Griffin III, Giovanni Bernard, Ellington, Bush, ODB, OBJ, Emmanuel Sanders, Mike Wallace, Marquise Lee, and Riley Cooper, Ertz, and Graham. Ah, geez. And pick 1.17, 2.7, 3.7, 5.7. It is a 16-team league, so it's kind of smaller rosters. Um, did you get all of that? Obviously, in a 16-team league, I think, Nick, if you have Dez, Mike Evans and Odell Beckham Jr. That's a pretty quality quad, excuse me, trio of receivers there for a 16-team league, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, definitely. So basically the trade is uh, Michael Floyd and the 1.9 pick for Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that trade will be accepted, but I would definitely offer it and try to do it. Like you said, if the, the Beckham owner makes a couple of, questionable trade decisions each year, then, yeah, might as well throw a shot out there. Um, I believe it was stupid, not questionable. So we'll go with that. Uh, (laughs) I don't want want to paraphrase. He said stupid. Uh, But anyway, yeah, it took 1.9 in a rookie and free agent draft. It's not necessarily, you know, a guaranteed thing. He's getting Gurley to add with Ingram and Spiller. Um, So Ingram Ingram and Gurley are pretty quality quality duo at running back. And uh yeah, I and, and I like the deal even though I'm not totally sold that uh Odell is going to be, you know, the man. I think he I think he got a lot of targets last year because they were had nothing better to do but lose games. So uh uh but I still think that's a nice trio and I don't think any I think anybody in the sixteen team league would certainly agree with that statement. Uh last question here ap owner is trying to sell i'm not sure i have a chance to win the league this year but there but here is the trade he wants i think he is asking too much i have picks 1.03 and pick 1.09 in this year's draft i would get ap i would give up 1.9 um martavius bryant and andre ellington uh, his running backs are Crowell, Jennings, Ivory, and Ellington, some, and some more crap running backs. Uh, wide receivers are Odell Beckham, Martavius Bryant, Brandon Marshall, Golden Tate, John Brown, and Brandon LaFell. So one would you give up? Basically, it comes down to 1.09 Ellington and Martavius Bryant for Adrian Peterson. Uh, absolutely not, especially since he doesn't think he has a chance to win the league this year. Uh, then why are you trading for a 30-year-old running back? That just makes no sense to me, especially when you're trading younger guys like Martavis Bryant and Andre Ellington. You know, maybe if the 
AP owner wanted to do a branded Marshall for AP, you know, something something along that, those lines, okay. Because the, the owner here is definitely deep at wide receiver. But uh, that's just way too much for me to trade for an older running back. Uh, plus you're giving up the pick. I mean, I think Martavius and Ellington for AP is a little more fair. And, you know, obviously Peterson could have just a – a monster year this year, uh, but he's not going to do that for three or four more years. It's just not going to happen. I think once Minnesota can walk away from him, I think they certainly will. Um, and, yeah, this guy's trying to trade off used, maybe even you could say tainted goods, an old an old running back for for three young basically three young players if you include that pick. So I think, yeah, I think you're overpaying there. Um you know, I think one of these guys, maybe Ellington in the pick, is probably a little more fair. And maybe he's asking for the extra guy because he doesn't have a higher pick. Um, and I and I would have no problem giving up for Ellington at a 1.3 for AP because you're going to probably miss Gordon Gurley at that point. So, you know, and if this guy if this guy persists, maybe you wait wait and let that draft start, and then and then maybe you can. Uh, possibly get him for less you know maybe you can throw like a couple of second round picks at him or something like that once once we once you see who's gone or if you, you know if you give up pick 1.09 and all of a sudden it's Kevin Coleman's there or you, you know even possibly TJ Yeldon you might you might be like oh man I shouldn't have given up because you're you're getting a chance to, especially if you don't think you're going to win the league this year you're getting a chance to get some quality running backs for the future at least I believe believe in those two guys so uh, moving on to the best number eighteen. This is a series that we've been doing uh, where we look at who is the best to wear uh, the number eighteen in the NFL. Who's the best of all time to wear the number eighteen? And I will will like to say, Nick, I, I came across in my research. Uh, Mr. Dick Wood also played for the Oakland Raiders. I always look and see who wore number eighteen or well, the number that we talk about for my Raiders and. There it was. Dick Wood played for the Oakland Raiders in the, I think, in the late '60s. There, so that's the first name we got for you. The number eighteen. What do you got for us? Randy Moss also wore number eighteen for the Raiders. What do you got for? Well, I'll start off by mentioning a few current players: uh, Randall Cobb, Jeremy Macklin, and even more so AJ Green, who may end up on this list in a few years. Uh, now, our regular listeners, and you know, I can't mention, can't resist mentioning fun names I come across. So I'll start with the journeyman quarterback. Played for six teams between 1964 and 74. Uh, Dick Shiner started 20 games for Pittsburgh in 1968 and 69. Uh, now for the actual list. Roman, Roman, Roman Gabriel went to four Pro Bowls in his 16-year career with the Rams and Eagles and led the league in passing yards and touchdowns in 1973. Gene Washington's career got off to a really quick start. He went to four straight Pro Bowls, led the NFL in receiving yards with 1,100 in 1970 and receiving touchdowns with 12 in 1972, and also had a very long post-playing career in the league office. Now, our next three names are all in the Hall of Fame. I guess if this group was uh, the number eight teams with a draft class, it would be considered not very deep but extremely top-heavy. Sometimes I do these lists and discover something that makes me feel bad for not knowing it already, but I didn't know Charlie Joyner played for Houston and Cincinnati before going to San Diego and making his first Pro Bowl at 29 years old. 
Joyner played from 1969 through 1986, and in 1985 he went uh, 59 catches for 932 yards and seven touchdowns at 38 years old. That's pretty awesome. Uh, next up, Emmett Thomas, defensive back, Kansas City, went to five Pro Bowls, 12 interceptions in 1974. His 58 career interceptions ranks 12th all-time, and he had a long career as an assistant coach, was Atlanta's interim head coach after Bobby Petrino quit. Okay, so I kind of lied. Our number one and number 18 isn't in the Hall of Fame yet, but no doubt Peyton Manning is the first ballot Hall of Famer. He's gone to 13 Pro Bowls, seven-time All-Pro, led the NFL in passing yards three times, led in uh, touchdowns four times. He's a Super Bowl winner and a Super Bowl MVP, five-time NFL MVP, number one all-time in passing touchdowns, number one in game-winning drives and comebacks, number two in passing yards, and his sack percentage at 3.07 is the best of all time. Tom Brady's rings probably give him an edge for best quarterback of this generation, but Peyton Manning is without a doubt the best number 18 of all time. Okay, let's turn back the clocks. It just stole my thunder on a couple of the 18ers in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, Charlie Joyner was an, an amazing player. Uh, was a, a nice uh, nice beneficiary of the Eric Coriel offense of the 80s there in San Diego. And, yeah, those numbers at 38 years old, unbelievable. I mean, he started his career in 1969. He put up those numbers in the mid-'80s. That is so crazy. Uh, Emmett Thomas, yeah, like he said, 58 career receptions. At the time he retired, he was the team's all-time leading receiver and uh, 12th all-time. Uh, a heck of a player there for Kansas City. Uh, Walt Keesling, uh, a player from 1926 to 1942, played for the Duluth Eskimos, I love these old names, Pottsville Maroons, Chicago Cardinals, Chicago Bears, Green Bay Packers, and, of course, the football, Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, that was a good one there. Walt Keesling was a guard, excuse me, um, played so long ago they don't have his uh, his specs and I believe this is a guy that we talked about many many moons ago as the one NFL player who's in the Hall of Fame that wore the number zero but he also wore the number 18 uh, as a 5'11 245 pound offensive tackle for the Canton Bulldogs Mr. Wilbur Pete Henry in the Hall of Fame uh, wore number 18 5'11", 245-pound offensive tackle. But, uh, yeah, we we know who the best number 18 is. Uh, he played for the Colts. It wasn't Mike Pegel. It was, of course, Mr. Peyton Manning, who's now a Denver Bronco. Yeah, the, the, number, the numbers don't lie, even if the, even if the, the rings, the, la- the lack of rings tell a different story. Peyton is just a guy that approaches the game with such – Maturity and enthusiasm, and I I don't know if he wants to become an NFL coach or an offensive coordinator, but oh my God, if he does, I I am drafting the offensive players on, in that system because I think even if he start even if he doesn't make it to the NFL right away, I think he's going to be a heck of an of a of a coach if he decides to go that route. He also has a really cool voice. And if I think, I think if I ever actually had the chance, Nick, to interview Peyton Manning, uh, he, his voice reminds me a little bit of uh, the college football legend, absolute favorite college voice ever, Keith Jackson. They both just have that 
beautiful southern draw. So I think if I ever had the chance to actually sit down and interview Peyton Manning, I would ask him to say Whoa Nelly for me <laughs> in the way that he said to do, <laughs> just for my own personal amusement. Uh, but I think he would obviously he has great insight, so he could do that as well. Yeah, uh, that I wouldn't be surprised if he just disappears after uh, after he retires and doesn't does not involve in football at all because he is certainly a, a decent family man. He seems like he would commit to that, but he's going to make a hell of a coach or or broadcaster if he wants to go that route. But yeah, best number of eighteen of all time. Peyton, whoa, Nelly, man. <laughs> uh, okay, last question. Uh, this is another thing that we've been playing around with. What would you trade for? So what running back is worthy, Nick? What what running back do you think right now is worthy of trading a top-notch wide receiver? Well, we're talking about, you know, guys in the top ten. A.J., Dev, you could even throw in Calvin. Um Antonio Brown. What, I mean, these guys are all still seemingly young because they're receivers. You know, they have they have certainly years to be very, very good players. But are any of these guys worth trading? Or what? What are any of these guys? Yeah, worth trading blank for this blank running back? Not <laughs> this blank running back. Do you get what I'm saying here? Do you, do you follow it? Or do you need to explain a little further? You have a question? Yeah, you're you're wondering which running backs are worthy of trading a top flight wide receiver for. You know, one of the top ten receivers. So it's got to be only be the younger running backs. Obviously, you know, Demarco Murray at 27 and overused last year. I think he's out. Jamal Jamal Charles at 28, he's out. So for me, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell and Eddie Lacy are two guys that I would definitely trade pretty much any of those wide receivers for, just because the running back position is so much thinner than wide receiver. Um, And I think, you know, Jeremy Hill, I would probably add to that list at only 22 years old, and possibly a Carlos Hyde, depending on how high you personally are on him. Um, Those are probably the only four running backs that I would trade a top-flight receiver for. Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on that. I don't think I would do Carlos Hyde right now, unless, you know, depending on my team situation. But, uh, you know, Jeremy Hill for, you know, like A.J. or Julio, I, it's a it's a coin flip, you know, depending on your league scoring and stuff like that. But I think that's a pretty pretty fair deal. Um, Eddie Lacy for either one of those two guys. Eddie Lacy for Antonio Brown, I think pretty fair deal. Obviously, if you're giving up a running back like Lacy, you're going to need a receiver like that. And, and, you know, you like to exchange these top, you know, let's say top 25, fantasy players if you're trading them you i would hope that you're rebuilding you get a couple pieces back but if you want to really swap you know elite player for elite player the yeah it's it's really got to be hill lacy or maybe unveiled i don't think there is really anybody else you can throw into the mix um what i mean since he's a, a name that's been a hot hot topic here this offseason. What would you obviously I don't I would expect you to trade a top ten wide receiver for him, but what would you give up for a Lamar Miller Nick? I know you like him. I, I do. Um I think you know, I like him, but I wouldn't want to reach for him, especially with the fact that they drafted J.H.I. Uh, that tells me that Miami doesn't fully trust him. They, they might even trust him less than I do. So, uh, you know, I'd probably, in startup drafts, I think, you know, late fifth or so, that's probably right around where I'd take him in a startup draft. 
Yeah, that's probably a pretty a pretty fair guesstimate, I would say. Um, what about like some of the rookies, like obviously Gurley or Gordon? Would you trade, you know, one of those guys for either either one of those rookie running backs? Uh, would I trade any of the top flight receivers for either of those rookie running backs? Yeah. No, I don't think so. You know, if I've got an elite proven player, I just can't see trading him off for a rookie unless it's, you know, maybe Calvin Johnson just because he's approaching that that age of 30, but that would be the only guy I would trade that's, that you would consider an elite wide receiver for a rookie running back. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty pretty fair statement. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's say you're... You're in a tunnel with a match. No, um, I I don't I don't know where I was going there. Let's say you drafted Amari Cooper, and all of a sudden, because you thought he was the best player available, and all of a sudden your your running back situation is not like you ha- like it happened to be. Which, do you think you know Amari for like a Melvin Gordon is a pretty fair flip if you if if that's a, if it's a positional need for both parties? Oh uh, yeah, you know any we talked about it a lot. You know leading into uh, rookie drafts, that the top four players in this year's rookie draft: Kevin White, Amari Cooper, Melvin Gordon, and Todd Gurley. They're somewhat interchangeable, just depending on who you prefer. So yeah, I think trading it, flipping any of those four guys is fairly even. Okay. Uh, well, even though I didn't word it properly, I think that was a good topic. <laughs> um, a little more of a uh, philosophical approach to uh, to that question. We'll maybe try to hone, hone it down a little bit uh, uh, next year. Not so deep, we'll say. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's all we have for you this week. Uh, next week we're going to do a little more. Uh, we'll have some more names for you and uh, plant your flag. And uh, our wash your hands, Mr. Dynasty Dan Hines himself is going to be stopping by to tell you how you can give back to charity, how you can give back to charity by simply just paying some money and drafting a best ball fantasy team. I mean, does that not sound like an awesome, awesome thing that you spend 20 bucks, goes to a good cause, and all you got to do is do something that you love anyway and draft team sounds like it sounds like a great deal, right, Nick? Oh, definitely. It can't go wrong there. And uh, we will tell you more about that next week. Uh, we'll also take a look at the the Baltimore Ravens wide receiving core and the Buffalo Bills. That's right, Nick. We're going there. The Buffalo Bills quarterback carousel. Get your oh man, I forgot his name. Who's that quarterback they have? They have from. Washington or Montana? What's his name? Oh, uh, Tool? Yeah. I, I don't know if he's even still there, but we will have to mention him even if he's not next next week. So, But anyway, check that out next week. Thank you for listening. Nick, have a great week. You too, Josh. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win again. Nothing but keep challenging me. So I'm gonna make sure I can drop a drop. Hold up the cock. Hold up the window. 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 Hold up the
Sam Bailey didn't get his head around on the play. I think it's the reason he got the yes, flag. Yes, there are penalties in the Pro Bowl. Pass <laughs> interference. Defense number 24. The ball is placed at the one-yard line. 